Welcome to the Live Nourish podcast. I'm your host, Katarina Greer. I'm a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and the founder of LiveNourish.co, where you can find my blog, recipes, and services. On this podcast, I chat about all things health and wellness related to help you live a nourished life. Remember, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice. It is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now let's get started. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Nourish Podcast. As you can probably tell from my audio, it's better. Um, unfortunately for this episode, I got my mic literally just like a few days ago, but this episode was pre-recorded, um, so the audio is on my end, it's not, it's okay, but my podcast mic broke like a few months ago, tried to fix it, couldn't. It was honestly just like a $50 one from Amazon, so like no big deal. I got a new one and it seems to be working good. It had really good reviews, so yeah, here we are. It's been good, um, just like audio in the next next episodes. Um, but today on the podcast, I have Meg Langston and I just absolutely loved our conversation. She is just honestly so sweet, so kind, and basically we chatted about um, just like bodybuilding, her experience with doing that, and then just healing like her body image and just the process with that. We chatted about the thyroid, we chatted about iron overload, and then ended it off with like candida and sugar. And yeah, I just absolutely love this chat and I know you guys are going to love this episode. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, Meg. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Thanks for having me. So could you just tell everyone just a little bit about yourself and what you currently do? Yeah, so I um, am a nutritional therapy practitioner, uh, restorative wellness, you know, practitioner, whatever they call it nowadays. And then um, I, I did, um, I tried to say this in another podcast, and I really should practice it, a root cause consult, consult, is that what it's called? Um, but basically I, I took a class and learned a little bit about iron. That's all that means. Um, so I, uh, I, I work with women and I help women restore their health using a very food first approach. And, um, that's what I do for a living is just nutritional therapy. And personally, I am a mom of two. So I have a three and a half year old Brady and I have uh, a, a new baby, four months, and his name is James. Um, and they're just the best, the coolest little boys. And then I have um, my husband, who I've been married to for almost six years, and he's a firefighter. So I'm a proud firefighter wife. And um, and that's it. I like uh, dark chocolate and warm milk and you know, long walks on the beach. So that's really it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It sounds like you're quite, like you've got your hands like full with everything that you do. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, um, my husband came from an, uh, he is an only child and, um, and I came from a family that's large. Like I have like 21 cousins that might, we know a lot about each other just on one side that we're really okay, close yeah. with. And then, um, I have three older brothers and I'm the youngest and we've always had two dogs in our family. And my husband's like, how do you just like live with so much going on? And I'm just so like, I love a lot of family and people in my life, like in and out, like dogs and poor man is like suffering slowly, but, um, you know, he misses us when it's quiet. I know he does. (laughs) Yeah. So how did you get into nutrition? Yeah. So I, I've been an athlete my entire life. So I've always kind of been into, um, the health world. Um, from a young age, I was a competitive soccer player. Um, and there, you know, when you're younger, you're really just like doing pasta parties and things like that. But, um, was always self-aware of, of just kind of fueling my body and then got into college and I, I didn't play any sports then. Um, and when I was in college, I just kind of remember trying to explore health and also trying to figure out like, 
you know, maybe why I was putting on like the college 15, you know, besides the, the beer. Um, and I remember one time this having a conversation with my dad where I was, he asked me like, well, what are you eating? And I'm like, well, you know, special K for breakfast and, you know, Jimmy John's for lunch and pasta for dinner. And he's like, Meg, those are all carbs. And I tell that story a lot, but that story is so significant to me because that was the first time I ever equated to like, I can think of exactly how I felt during that time where my dad said to me in a very loving, I'm so close with my dad, but like a very loving way of like, those are all carbs and you need to, and, and that's the result of whatever. And whether or not that was true, which, you know, it wasn't just the carbohydrates, it was the type of food I was eating, but that's what he had explained to me. So it, it, in my mind, it was what I eat impacts my body and even more really impacts my body image where before I hadn't previously thought about that. So I dove into quote health and really what that meant back in the day, back in 2007, um, it meant magazines. And so I was really looking for all these inspirationals, inspiration of like, what was health? And I, it was all engraved, like what culture defined as health and what culture defined as health was very, a certain body type and, um, you know, very, uh, you know, either having muscles or very thin. And, um, and I just tried to, you know, do what I thought was what was right. And, um, and, and then also had some, you know, built up trauma that turned into an eating disorder on top of, I would say, disordered eating habits. Anytime you hear me talk, I always separate those two because one was bulimia, bulimia and then the other one was um, disordered eating habits where I was fearful of fruit. I was fearful of, of, of carrots. So in my approach as a person, if you ever follow me on Instagram or if you ever follow me, as if you work with me, I'm very... Um, I try to be very relaxed with food. No food is innately bad, right? Like I had to reteach myself all this stuff. So um, it, when I, I basically tried to redefine what health meant, not by culture standards, but by, you know, what I was learning about the body um, is, is really what kind of made my, my health journey take off. And, and it actually started to, to really, um, and I, 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 you had sent me over questions. So I know you're going to ask me this question about the bodybuilding. Um, so what really started to like, kind of shift me into that was I had kind of gotten the, the interest in nutrition because of, you know, like I said, culture was telling me what health was. And I was trying to figure out what that meant by what I was eating, but it was still really twisted. Then I got into bodybuilding and I was really competitive um, and did a lot of like, if you ever heard of the Olympia and the Arnold and um, was paid to do a lot of fitness modeling stuff. And that just made me even more restrictive and fearful of food and eating really crazy. And then by the grace of God, I got into like more sports uh, type of stuff again and, and went after performance. And when I was going after performance and I tried to eat again, and then I tried to understand food and I hired a coach and this coach was really great. And she asked me about my period for the first time. And when she asked me about my period, I was like, wait a second, what does that have to do about anything? Turns out I wasn't even getting a period. Didn't really think too much of it at the time because I was so concerned about performance and, you know, get losing a little bit of weight to lift really heavy. Um, and that just wrecked my world into turning in my entire thing into how do I learn about the menstrual cycle? What is, what are my temperatures mean? Um, what is a full thyroid panel? You know, what does, uh, how does food support my body? How does the whole systems work? I feel like that's very like the, the timeline of everybody's, a lot of people's stories. You're like, what? A full thyroid panel. And then you just go crazy from there. Learn about Chris Cresser and then you move, you keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, that's, that's like my whole story. And I know that was kind of a, a lot, but that's truly what got me into where I am now. Um, and, um, just caring more about nutrition from being an athlete in, in the fitness industry my whole life. Mm, I like that though. That that's just like amazing. Like that turnaround from like, just, I guess, like you said, just eating like carbs and then just really wanting to like, I guess that really projected or like started your, you know, that, that interest in like nutrition, even though you had to go through like some hard things and then figure out like your period, your cycle health, and then studying nutrition, you know, it's yeah. just like, yeah, amazing. And when I think about it, and I don't know how 
how your experience with clients or your own personal story. But when I think about it, it's, it's almost that there's so many young women that are trying to figure out not only who they are, but get getting comfortable in their own skin and figure out where they fit into society. And when society and culture is defining that, that, that standard of beauty, it's hard not to figure out how you fit in to get to, to what their standards are. And then, and then it's almost like every time you try to do that, it's more and more damaging. And when you become more and more, I guess, engraved by culture, almost the more sick, sick you get. And then you, the older you get, you try to step out of that and figure out, wait a second, what just happened? And you look back and you're like, whoa, what it, you know, and then, and, and a lot of this, especially for people you and like you and I, we just mm-hmm. go deep into this as a career and, and try to shake things up a, a bit and say like, Hey, this isn't, this isn't what health is. Let's, let's, let's get louder voices than what culture and society are currently having and defining health and beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. That exactly like it leads me into my next question. Um, so like after, you finished bodybuilding and like doing that how did you recover and what steps did you take to like heal your body image with that I was thinking about this question when I was looking at it um I'm currently reading a book called um breaking free of body shame being in postpartum and I was thinking about that story and you know I I previously used to say that when I when I would talk about body image I would say that a lot of what I did to recover from self-objectification, meaning every single time I would look in a mirror, I would pull my shirt up and I would turn sideways and I would look at my arms. I feel my arms. And if there was any extra fat in between that wasn't muscle, I would sit down and kind of grasp my stomach. I would, you know, like I said, lift my shirt up. I would look behind my legs, see if there was any extra cellulite. That's a state of self-objectification. And anytime I was in that state, I would, I would say that I would, I, I learned tools to kind of snap me out of it, whether that was immediately going for a walk, changing my environment, putting on a fun song. Um, and that those tools worked when I was in the midst of healing from disordered eating and an eating disorder habit, um, uh, habits, I would say that my personal story counseling for my, for my eating disorder didn't quite help as much as I use counseling for other things. Um, but really helping learn, learning tools that will actually immediately stop that thought process of self-objectification and, um, and, and then move on. So that used to work for me. And, and then I started to unfollow accounts and then I would follow accounts that were really speaking life into the body. Um, I learned a, when I was learning about nutrition, it really inspired me to eat a lot of different foods because of understanding the mineral and, you know, mineral ba- minerals in them, vitamins in them, the macronutrients in them. So just the nutrients in foods. And I was like, learning what all these nutrients did for your thyroid and your eyesight and your digestion and your skin and your hair. And it was inspiring me to want to eat these foods and feel really good about it. And that worked for a little bit. And then I got pregnant and I had to redefine what, what did I actually believe about my body again? Right? Like it's almost like when I, when I was thinking about that question, I was thinking, man, it's almost like every single season of my life where my body has changed, I've had to re-implement different tools and, and pile them on top of each other. And some tools work now that some tools didn't work before. Um, and I feel every season of life that my, my body changes, pregnancy, postpartum, pregnancy again, postpartum again, healing, healing weight losing weight, all of these things that my body has gone through and my, my, my body has changed. I've had to implement how I viewed my body and, and talk in, talk about my body in different ways, whether that was shining light on who I was as a person and what my body allowed me to do, or if that was just recognizing that I was a little uncomfortable in my body, like postpartum and, and, and that's also okay 
to feel a little uncomfortable and also appreciate your body in, in the same, in the same hand. Right. And so to answer your question, I, I think that I'm always learning about how to love my body and each season and I'm pulling different tools. Currently, it's reading that book, Breaking Free of Body Shame. And that is more of a faith-based book where it is talking about, a, you know, appreciating your body um, based on what the Lord calls you to be. And, and that feels really good to me right now. Um, and then also, you know, I, I would say that sometimes it, it, it is not doing much of anything and just kind of stepping away from putting too much emphasis on even thinking about how to support my mental health with how I'm viewing my body. Sometimes it's just like, I need to not think about it today. And that's it. Does that answer your question? No, that does. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, definitely like for different seasons, like you said, like when you're pregnant, postpartum, when you're, I don't know, like in your twenties, you're like, you're single or whatever, like it's different, you know, and it's, it's, yeah, it's just so different to like walk through and just see like what works for you in like that period of time. Um, yeah. And it's almost like as culture, and it's hard not to talk about body image and culture, because when you're single culture is asking for one thing from you, when you're, when you're, um, you know, healing, it's, it's supposed to look a certain way, or maybe you're, you get become okay with quote the healing weight, but then you're, you're like, okay, this is healthy. I'm healing. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're now trying to figure out how now aren't I supposed to look like, isn't my health supposed to look a certain way again? And then your postpartum, well, how am I not supposed to get my postpartum body back, but also want to feel good in my own skin. So it's, it's, it's almost like culture. You're, you're always trying to figure out that balance of like feeling good in your own, your own skin and and speaking life into your own body and rejecting culture while also like culture is bombarding you with like all these things. And as much as you try to speak life and follow these accounts and, you know, only view these things, it is just the truth of what culture portrays and what health portrays health. Um, and, and you're in each season, you're just shifting and trying to figure out exactly what that means to you at the time. Yeah. I think that's true. Like you said, like for one season, something may work another season might not, and you just kind of have to like navigate that yeah. and still like figure out. But I think that's great, like how the way like you answered that, like, you know, in each season, it's not going to look the same. It's going to look different. No, I think about it like when I think about stress, like I'll have, um, I have a lot of moms that, that I work with and not all moms, but a lot of moms. And I'm always having to remind them what I've had to learn is that just like at some point stress when you're single may look like having a quiet morning and, and maybe meditating or praying soft music, diffuser, smell is, you know, quiet environment and you're stepping into your day. But when you're a mom, you may have a blowout of, you know, a poopy diaper, a kid that doesn't want to come down the stairs because you cut a sandwich wrong. And, you know, like, and then two dogs barking in the background. I'm not saying that's what just happened to me, but it may have been. And, and your stress and what you, what you pull from, how you, how you implement the strategy of stress is going to change, right? Like it's not going to be that quiet environment, most likely. So you have to come up with different tools and strategies and be flexible to that. And then, you know, look for resources. If you're unable to do that, you look for resources. Is it reading a book? Is it finding accounts that speak life into you? Is it talking to community? Is it going back to therapy? And so just those same exact concept of like how you would figure out your stress, you would implement to your body image as well. Mm, no, yeah, I really like that. So I just want to switch over to thyroid. Yeah, let's do it. One of the things that you really do focus on, like on Instagram and in your practice, um, Mm -hmm. you talk about the thyroid and how it is like in charge of basically every like metabolic function in the body and like what it does. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's honestly a a lot of what I would say. The thyroid is, um, the thyroid, when we talk about metabolic health, we're talking about thyroid health. Um, controls every uh, every system in the body. So digestive system, it's, it is, uh, plays a role in your immune system. It plays a role in your um, hormones. Thyroid and progesterone go hand in hand. So um, when we're talking about the thyroid, we're, when, when I talk about the thyroid in general, I, I really love, I don't know if you've ever read Dr. Brada Barnes' book, but I really love his book. Um, he's an endocrinologist, um, 
and he has since passed, but he's the one that really, if you've ever heard of taking your basal body temperature, mm -hmm. um, he's the one that really talks about that. I mean, he wasn't the only endocrinologist that used using your basal body temperature, but he is uh, one that used it in his practice and, and really stuck by it, even adjusting thyroid medication. And so what that was, was that your basal body temperature should be at a certain marker in order to um, define whether or not your thyroid is working optimally or it's working subclinical, subclinically. So working low. So if it's not working as optimally as it should be, your basal body temperature, so your first morning temperature is going to be on the lower end. And so what this endocrinologist would do is he would take his patients and he would put a, therm a thermometer in their mouth and he would check to see their temperature. And if it was low, he would then indicate that means it's a low thyroid. And so people would come, right, to an endocrinologist because they have bad acne, uh, they have, and they're trying to figure out, is it hormonal? What's going on? Um, they may come because they're constipated, their hair is falling out, their eyebrows are thinning. Um, they're really lethargic. They can't lose weight. They're always losing weight. And, um, this just goes to show that from energy to hair, your thyroid pl plays a huge role in, in your metabolic health. And it plays a huge role in how, healthy your body can be. So it's one of the things that I do working with women is not only work on their basal body temperature, but we also look at their cycle, their menstrual cycle to see the state of their health. So we can see if a client is coming to me because they have, I don't know, acne, that's um, just had a client come to me with acne and irregular cycles. And so I had her starting to take her basal body temperature to see um, how, where, how long her cycle length was and also where her basal body temperatures were throughout her cycle. They should shift a little bit. So you have your follicular phase and then you have your luteal phase and follicular is before ovulation. The luteal phase is last after ovulation, luteal last. That's how I remember it. And so when um, you ovulate, you produce progesterone, which should keep your um, basal body temperature up. What we saw when she was starting to take her basal body temperature was not only was her luteal phase really short, but she was also spotting a little bit and her temperature is really low. So based on that, when she came to me for a period issue, we actually saw that it was a lot of thyroid health that we had to support her metabolic health in order to get her period and her cycle looking the way that, that it needed to. Um, and it's especially to support that progesterone um, because progesterone opposes estrogen. And oftentimes when we have acne, we have something called estrogen dominance. Yeah. Wow. That's very much so like in depth, but I love how you like broke it down like that, because I feel like with acne, most people probably think it's like hormonal, but like, like you said, like it was thyroid. That you There's like always a reason. Yeah. So, and it, and it can be, it can be hormonal, but there's, we always have to take a step back and ask like, okay, so if it is hormonal, then what supports the hormones, right? And we're looking at the thyroid and the metabolic system. And if the thyroid's working slow, then your digestive system's working slow. And so when your, your digestive system and your liver play are, are go hand in hand. And so when that's slow, you may not be um, breaking down and absorbing food the way that you should be. It may cause what's known as a quote, congested liver. So you're not clearing out hormones the way that it should be. And, it, and it's basically spilling out into these symptoms like acne and irregular cycle and spotting. And all you have to really do is just start to nourish your thyroid and your metabolic system. And then the whole body starts to work the way that it should be. And run when, instead of working really slow and -hmm. causing all these backup issues, it starts to work optimally and you're clearing estrogen through your liver and you're pooping it out and your, your body is running optimally. You're making enough progesterone. You're, you're, you know, the happy, healthy hormone that is just lots well, actually calming hormone, but that is um, just, it, it, it really is, I would say, um, this is actually, Dr. Ray Pete would actually say that progesterone is the woman's hormone. And I would agree to that, that 
when we can support the body as a whole and we support um, uh, clearing of estrogen and, and, and supporting the progesterone, then typically we have a lot of um, resolved of these, of, the, of these specific symptoms. Hmm. So with that, how do you know if your thyroid like is functioning properly in like the way like it should be? Yeah. So an easy test at home is doing your basal body temperature. So what that looks like is first thing in the morning before getting out of bed, you just take a thermometer. I like to put it in for like at least two minutes Mm -hmm. before taking your temperature. Otherwise it becomes very low. I've heard fertility awareness coaches say 10 minutes, but I don't know anybody that keeps them that in for 10 minutes. Every time I've never done it. I've like, every time I try, I'm like, I don't know. And so at least two minutes is what I say, at least get, you know, don't fresh, you know, from the cold back in. Um, but, uh, so put, take your basal body temperature and depending on if you know where you are in your cycle, then you could see if it's, it's appropriate or not, but overall gearing towards that 98 degrees is kind of where you want to be. Um, it may be higher or lower depending on where you are in your cycle though. But that's the perfect way to check to see, you know, how well your thyroid test is and you're doing it at home and it's free, right? Well, I mean, it's like $10 for like a thumb. Okay. Yeah. You're paying for the thermometer, right? Yeah. (laughs) Get a new one. Don't use one that if you have kids, because it's most likely you've done a rectal temp. (laughs) Right. That's so true. And so how do you, how would you know if it's like sluggish? I mean, like you said, I guess like weight gain or like losing weight quickly and then what steps can you take to like support your body um yeah thyroid so you could do the basal body temperature that could give you an indication but if i would say if you have symptoms uh, a lot of my hypothyroid clients would feel like they have um they may feel constipation um they may um like i said have acne hair thinning eyebrow thinning low energy but then also you could have a non-optimal working thyroid if you are not eating enough, mm-hmm. um, if you aren't eating the right balance of food, so protein, carbs, and fat. Um, almost all of my females that I'm working with, I would say 90% of them are not eating enough food, especially not eating enough protein. And protein is so mm-hmm. important for you know, supporting the liver of detoxification. And that matters, the liver matters because that's where 80% of that thyroid conversion is. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not eating enough food, we're then we're not getting the nutrients to support the, you know, the, the, not only the liver to detox the way that it should be and make the conversions happen, but, but also help the support the enzymes that make these actual, uh, the hormones itself. So cholesterol, that we get from fat in our diet, fat makes the fat from our diet makes cholesterol. Cholesterol turns into sex hormones mm-hmm. and sex hormones support the thyroid. The thyroid supports the sex hormones. What, um, the, uh, the fat that we get from our diet, um, makes, um, something called bile bile helps us break down fat soluble vitamins like vitamin A which is needed for thyroid, uh, free T3, a marker of the thyroid hormone. So a lot of my women, when they're under eating, they're not getting all the nutrients that their body needs in order to make these systems work optimally, make the thyroid work optimally, make the hormones work, make work op- optimally, get these enzymes to convert things that they should be. Um, and then also they can have blood sugar dysregulation, which puts stress on the body, the liver, and um, it can... I always say it this way, like if your body is, um, if you're, if you're have blood sugar dysregulation, it can impair something called the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal access. And it causes your adrenals, which should be really just like coming in. If there's like a, a, you know, stressful situation, they should be a generator to the body. They're coming in all the time, the main players and the, the thyroid's taking a, a step back. So if somebody has something like that going on, they often crash at 3, 3 p.m. They're often waking up at 3 a.m., um, craving salt, craving sugar, so things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty in-depth, like just like looking at the thought of yeah, it can feel like a lot. And and you can go in a million different things because you explain one thing and there's also a million different things that can be to something else. But this is why I always say like at the end of the day, like the best thing that you can do is just make sure you're eating enough food. So just 
at least focusing on three meals a day. If you can get in a couple snacks, if that feels good to you, go for it. Um, and then making sure that those meals are protein, carbon, fat, and eating as much nutrient dense, you know, whole foods that you possibly can. And then if you want to get into the nitty gritty of foods that support thyroid, you can, but as long as you're focusing on those main things, that's going to be, a, that's going to really support your body. Mm, yeah, for sure. So I want to switch over into iron overload since okay. I think this is the first time, I guess I heard from you, like, I guess, I don't know, probably a few months ago, but I was just pretty just like amazed, I guess, by it, just because I hadn't heard anyone like talk about it. Um, yeah. But could you explain like why we really like actually aren't anemic and or like iron deficient, but we're actually like overloaded with it? Yeah. So um, this, um, this stems from um, a, a, a Leslie Covelet. She was, I think it was back in the 1930s or 50s. Um, I hope I'm getting that year right, but she was a researcher on iron and, um, she was a major researcher on iron and vitamin D and looking at how the body, um, may actually not be quote anemic and may actually be something called iron overload. Um, and then among that other researchers, and, and I don't know if, if you've ever heard of Morley Robbins, he yeah. it does a great job of compiling these research um, these actual studies and other research, compiling it and then presenting the information. And I, I took his course, um, mm -hmm. and, and, and was amazed by it. But the, the idea really is that we are eating these iron fortified foods, right? So like, if you look at the back of a gluten-free, um, I was looking for a gluten-free flour the other day to make something and it had 10 grams of iron fortified in there and it, and it advertises it like iron fortified food. You see it in, you see it in your bagels, you see it in your cereals, you see it in your, by the way, I had a teacher say this and we even tested it. I don't know if you ever did, but take a magnet and you take cereal and you can move it because there's so much iron in the cereal. Yeah. So there's, so we're getting an abundance of iron in our food. We're getting iron in our birth control, which many of us are on for 10 plus years. Mm -hmm. um, we're getting um, iron in medications, supplementations, a lot of supplements, like a multivitamin, we'll have it, prenatals, we'll have it. So we're getting an abundance of orally intaking the, this iron. In addition to that, we're taking medications that will actually deplete something called retinol or vitamin A, which matters in a second, I'll explain why. And we're not eating these foods called organ meats and bee pollen and things that are really rich in something called bioavailable copper. So we're getting a lot of iron in our, in our, the way that we're eating and the things that we're taking, we're not getting a lot of copper and we're not getting a lot of retinol, or we're taking things that are actually depleting of our retinol. So what can happen is iron can get quote stuck in the tissues and we become on blood work. It looks like we are low in the blood because it's getting stuck in the tissues, but we're not doing a full iron panel. And there's no way to actually really test it besides, um, I think it's like this liver, there's a, there is a way, but it's, it's like really painful and it, it has to test like, you have, I don't even remember how it is, but it, it, there is a way, but it's very painful and it's not ever practiced. So what you can do is something called like a full Monty, which is a full iron panel. So this is, so, so iron gets stuck in the tissues. It's not showing up in the blood. They're not doing a full blood panel to see what actually is going on and whether or not the cofactors are moving appropriately or, or there to move iron appropriately. So this is how I like to explain it. And I wish that you could see my hands right now because this how every time I'm on the phone with a client, this is exactly how I explain it. But you're in this little nightclub, right? Your cell is a little nightclub. And in this nightclub, iron is going in. And iron goes in and out. It should be going in and out. But what happens is, so we're eating these fortified foods. We're taking these birth controls. We're doing all these supplements that have iron in them. And iron just keeps going in and in and in the, in the nightclub. And copper is like a bouncer that should be letting um, iron go in and out, right? It should be like saying, you can come in, you can come out. You can come in, you can come out. Um, and so what can happen is, there's a lot of iron going in the club and copper's just not showing up and it's not doing its job. 
or it's there, but retinol, which I think of as, as like the little manager is not showing up and saying, Hey, copper, you need to go at your door and do your job, little bouncer, and let these, this iron go in and out of the cell. Iron gets stuck in the cell. Copper allows for uh, the iron to get in and out and retinol pushes copper into the cell to actually do its job. Iron is the in the club, the copper is the bouncer and retinol is the manager to make sure it's there. So when you're eating a lot of iron fortified foods, but you're not getting any copper and you're taking things that are depleting retinol or vitamin A, that manager, then iron just keeps getting stored and stored and stored in the tissues. So we can have things like the, this iron overload. And so the only way to really test it is to test things like um, retinol on um, vitamin A on a full iron panel or blood panel, um, something called magnesium RBC, which plays a huge role in, um, in uh, seeing how, how iron moves in the body getting all the different iron markers from not only ferritin, but hemoglobin, TIBC, um, and all these different markers, ceruloplasm, which is what uh, copper binds to. Um, and so all these different markers that show how well the body is actually moving iron, iron or not. And so we're not doing that. And we just keep showing up in the blood. Like it looks like we're low and we keep taking more and more and more. And so it spills out into these symptoms which actually can look a lot like what a lot of people are dealing with, which is heavy bleeding in your menstrual cycle, mm -hmm. um, high estrogen symptoms, um, amenorrhea, uh, not getting your period at all, um, uh, uh, infertility, irregular cycles, acne, um, high inflammation, uh, high cholesterol, um, all these different things that can show up because when iron gets stuck in the tissues, it's often getting stuck in the gut and feeding pathogens and parasites. So I have people that come to me and they're like, I've been on every parasite and pathogen and, you know, chase candida. Well, because these it's feeding off of iron, right? So like you're doing all these protocols, which may relieve symptoms short-term, but it's not long-term because you're not working on the things that move iron. So iron keeps feeding these pathogens mm -hmm. and then stuck, sucks and gets stuck in the liver can make, you know, high cholesterol, thyroid conversion, harder. Um, and then the other place is the immune system macrophages. Hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot there. And I, like, like you said, like a sign of it could be, um, like heavy bleeding, but usually women that have heavy, heavy bleeding are told to go on iron supplement because they're losing a lot of blood, but then mm -hmm. it can also be a symptom you're saying of like iron overload. It can be. Yeah, it absolutely can be. So um, what can happen is, um, and, and, and this is why personally, I don't do Dutch testing in my practice um, because so any testing that we do, right, it's really just to show where different stressors are in yeah. the body. It's never to treat, it's never to diagnose, but you can see really where stressors are. But mm -hmm. what you can't see in like a blood panel or a Dutch test is estrogen um, because it's not going to, if I, if it shows low and you can have low estrogen, but it's, it, but like a lot of people don't. Um, but if you, if it's showing low, but you have high estrogen dominant type symptoms, what it actually can mean is that estrogen has then gone to the tissues because it's an antioxidant and tried to go where iron is going. And it's contributing to these um, this, this high estrogen, estrogen dominant type symptoms, like heavy bleeding, bad cramping, clotting, things like that. So it could actually show low in the blood and, or be normal, but actually be stuck because it's an antioxidant. So it's trying to go where the inflammation is, um, where the iron is, where all the oxidative stress is. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy that it can do that because like I said, like, I didn't hear about this until like the past, I guess, like a few months when you started mm -hmm. talking about it and I was like, what, this is a thing. Like we're not yeah. actually anemic um like yeah. we've been told <laughs> yeah because it's yeah, like wild. you said it's like it's in cereal like when you take that magnet like I saw like a reel on that where all like the the iron like sh uh, shavings were just like following the magnet around and it's just crazy how much it's just added yeah to, to just like flours and bagels and breads and whatnot yeah. yeah it's crazy so I guess with that like what can you do to like detox from like the excess iron or to like remove it in some way. Yeah. 
Um, so really what I focus on is getting bioavailable copper food in and retinol rich foods. in. so I'm a huge fan of making sure that, you know, if you can eat liver or bee pollen or potatoes, those have copper in it. Um, not fearing dairy, you know, if you can't digest dairy, figure out why, why you can't digest it or try goats. If cow's not working for you, um, trying to do, um, you know, again, beef liver is really high in retinol, heavy creams. Can you make your own heavy cream? Can you do butters? Um, things like that are going to be really high in that vitamin A or retinol. Um, you can't really find it in supplement form. So I really try to just work on first really nourishing people. There are things that you can do like donate blood. Um, but I don't love to to really go in there because most people are in a really stressful state. They're really in a depleted state. So like what you want to do is really calm the body, right? Like, I feel like the more I've learned, the more I've, you know, been a practitioner, the more I've, the more I, I see just coming in and doing all these quick fixes is not the answer. It's calming the body back down, nourishing yourself, getting the foundations down. And when I say foundations, I mean, eating enough, balancing your meals, having fun, you know, not, you know, going crazy with stress, trying to um, get good sleep routines in. And, and then if you've done all that and you're like, Meg, I'm there, I'm doing all that, then it may be something that you can look into with donating blood um, and um, going to like a Red Cross. I mean, men, um, Morley would say is men should do it like three times a year. Same with non-menstruating women and women that are menstruating. Um, I think it's two times a year. So I think it's three to four for men and then two times a year if you're um, if you are menstruating, but I, 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 I really, you know, came out hot with donating blood because it, it really seemed to help with people, um, that we were learning in these case studies. And then when I was implementing it in my own practice, I'm like, wait a second, these people are not ready yet. Like it is not something to do. So I would say, if you hear that information, it's not going to be a quick fix. It, you, if you are not getting the foundations down, you have to get the foundations down first the things that I talked about with eating enough and, and balancing, pro, um, you know, protein, carbs, and fat and having fun and, you know, not just chasing health. And then if you feel like you've really established that, well, then looking into that, but really it's focusing on getting those copper and those retinol rich foods that are going to support the iron leaving the club appropriately. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess with that, just focusing, yeah, like you said, like, um, copper, like rich foods, especially would that also be, um, oh, what are they? Um, oysters oysters yes oh yeah oysters yeah good 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 thinking yeah um and you and you don't want to do oysters or you don't want to do copper without the retinol because retinol pushes in so like they're um they're you know when when people talk, talk about copper toxicity um, and, and, you know, maybe you could with copper pipes and stuff, but in copper IUD, I, I don't know the difference of that, but a lot of people do talk about copper toxicity. Mm-hmm. And if those things were not in the equation, is it copper toxicity or is it, or is it retinol deficiency? I'd like to know what the retinol is because if their vitamin A is low, then, then maybe they're actually just not pushing copper into the cell to be utilized. Maybe it's not that they're just have copper toxicity. And so it, as much as you're focusing on copper rich foods, you want to focus on retinol, but nature's so smart. It always usually has those two together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but just as much get comfortable with eating the yolk, get comfortable with eating the butter, get comfortable with the eating all the saturated fats that are going to support your liver and support fat soluble vitamin breakdowns, that vitamin A. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important. So yeah, like you said, like the butter, the egg yolks has like the the retinol, like vitamin A, both of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's and it's a it's a high quality fat that's gonna help support the bile flow and bile flows, you know, help support breakdown of fat soluble vitamins. So getting really comfortable with those saturated fats are gonna you know, help with not only the breakdown and utilization of, of retinol, but they're gonna have it in there as well. Okay. That's really good to know. So I have another question that I didn't send over, but I know that you posted this a little bit back just about like candida and sugar Uh with candida, like cleanses um, or diets. Like when you go on like a protocol, they say to avoid like sugar starches, like at all costs. So with that, like, cause I know that you made a post about it. Like, is it okay to have like some sugar just because like that is, I mean, just learning about the metabolism that I've just kind of been learning about over like the past six months, like your 
your liver like does need sugar like it runs off of like glucose like for energy so like with that and like Kanita cleanses like how do you like approach that yeah that's a good question so I'm not a fan of starving out candida, um, mostly because candida will kind of hide into the intestines. And so you don't want it to, you want to keep it, you want to keep yourself well-nourished. Like in my approach, like I said, with healing. So, so I'm not, I don't, I eat whatever you, not whatever you want. I eat high quality sugars and yeah. suggest that the people eat high quality sugars, even if they show up for, with candida. What you don't want to do is starve it out and allow it to hide and your intestines and become a bigger issue. And it's not candida. You're not going to starve it out and it's just going to be magically gone if you have something like iron overload that's going to keep feeding these overgrowths. If you keep having stress on your body that allows for something called leaky gut and these, these pathogens, opportunistic bacteria to inappropriately grow. So I personally am not a fan of it. And, and like I said, like I, what I've learned is that we, we are in such a state of stress I don't know what expert said this. I can tell you, I learned it from Morley. I don't know where he said it. Cause he said, you know, some expert said it. So who knows what expert this is, but I do believe it to be true that we live under more stress in one day than our ancestors did in a lifetime. And I do believe that to be true with everything that we have at our fingertips from the harsh news, the body image stuff, this, you know, social media, obviously, you know, harsh lighting, chemicals in our food, chemicals on our ground. So there's a lot of stress. And so what I have found is that if you have something come up, it may not be as attractive to go on a harsh cut protocol. And it may be, and it is a lot harder to be, to just kind of slowly go into these things and, you know, just working on the foundations and eating enough and scheduling and fun and you know, doing all those things, but those are the things that are truly going to heal your body. It is the supplements and, and testing. I do them in my practice. They can absolutely be beneficial, but they are net view. They will never outweigh what calming the body does and well, and keeping the body well nourished will do. Cause when you're keeping the body well nourished, you're getting those things that will move iron that doesn't feed these pathogens. You're supporting your digestion. You're supporting your thyroid. You're supporting your metabolic health to work optimally. When your metabolic health works optimally, you're making enough stomach acid, which kills off parasites and kills off other opportunistic bacteria. So I think that these, I, I don't think the candida protocol can be helpful. I do think some protocols can be helpful, but at the end of the day, when, when you're looking at all these things on Instagram, because that's where a lot of people are getting information, it, yeah. it, it, it's, I think the harsher it is, the more you should run. I think that that's not the answer because if I bet if you looked in the mirror, you're not as relaxed as you think you are. You're not scheduling in fun like you should. You're not sleeping the way that you should. You are addicted to the screens and all that stuff. And it would it's amazing how much healing can happen when we actually step away and put boundaries up and step into our trauma and all those things that are harder to do than just go on a harsh protocol for three months. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's so true. Like, especially like you said, that quote, that's amazing that like, um, that we've lived that through like one day that we live, we live through like more stress than like our ancestors did because like they didn't have screens. They didn't have all the EMFs or the 5G or like whatever, you know, to deal with. And now that's really body image. Like they were not, they were not, they were not constantly comparing, you know, what, what, keeping up with the Joneses. Like they're not, we live in a world where it's like, we're constantly bombarded of what we don't have, how we're not good enough. how we don't look the way that we should, how we don't act the way that we should. We don't have enough money. We don't have, we're not morally, you know, we don't have the moral capacity to keep up with what even culture wants us to do on every single topic. Like it is so overwhelmingly what we are not good at. Like it's so stressful, not only just the 5G and the glyphosate, but just being a human nowadays. And, and it's hard to, we're not in community the way that we should be, whether or not you have kids, like it's your period. When I was single, I still longed for the same community for people to speak into my life and show up the, the way that I longed for, which was loving and compassionate and caring and challenging one another in, in beautiful ways, not in ways of like making more money, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's just, I feel like we could go on. For, and yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but like, yeah, it's like, yeah, community is like so important just because I feel like now like people go off to college, they move out right away. They don't stay with their family, which I feel like they used to. 
like even 100 years ago, people wouldn't move out right away. They would be in that community for longer and just have that support system, which is just so important. Yeah. So I have one last question for you. What is something that you do to live nourished? What is something that I do to live nourished? What is something that I do to live nourished? Um, in this season of life, um, with a young baby and a toddler and my husband's schedule, because he's a firefighter, so he's gone every third day. I, the thing that I do to live nourished is, um, I'll, I'll tell you everything I'm doing right now. <laughs> I'm in therapy. My husband and I are in couple therapy. Um, and I really focus on snacks and I read before bed under red light and I do a casserole pack. That's probably the extent of like really what I'm focusing on. There are things that I wish that I was better at that I'm not. Um, but those are, those are the things I'm really trying to protect our marriage during, uh, a young season and, and have a really healthy marriage because that matters for my overall health. I try to talk through trauma and just stress and things that I need. So I have my own therapist and I try to do snacks because I'm a mom, I'm busy, I'm on the go. So I'm really conscious about preparing my snacks. And before bed, I usually like to do a little bit of red light put my phone down, read a book, usually get through a page. That's all. And I'm currently reading a parenting book and then do a casserole pack and that's it. And, and that's about what all I'm doing for nourishing. It's nothing crazier or, you know, too extreme, maybe, maybe non-toxic stuff. I, have, I don't really have a lot of toxic stuff in my home. Yeah. For me, so. I love that. It's all, I feel like all the little things that, you know, add up and really, you know, nourish you. Yeah. I wish I had this like really cool thing to say, but I don't, I'm just trying to do the best I can. Yeah, no, I love that. So where can everyone find you and connect with you? So I mostly on Instagram, I'm not anywhere else. <laughs> um, it's Meg underscore Langston. Um, I do have a website, meglangston.com. And I, I work one-on-one -on -one with clients. So you could apply to work with me. Um, and that's it. I have something really cool. I'm really excited to share um, in the next, uh, hopefully this year, hopefully at the end of this year, there's something that I'm really, really working on and there's not anything like it out um, right now. And it comes from my own heart of just like different hardships I've gone through and how to keep health at, um, how to implement health and all the things I talk about fun and, and, and serving other people and all the things. So stay tuned for that. But other than that, it's just working with me one-on-one -on -one and hanging out with me on Instagram. Oh, that's so fun. I'll be on the lookout for that for sure. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really yeah. enjoyed just our conversation. It was just like so in depth and I loved it. <laughs> Yay, thank you so much for having me.